Well, welcome to Pew Pew Panel with Chad and Ava. Today, we're going to discuss ham radios, but first, we're going to discuss Chad's latest Cerakote project and a new way that I found to protect myself when a gun isn't an option. Chad, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Wonderfully tired. It's been a long, busy week. <laughs> I know, but I feel bad because that was us last week, too. I'm I mean, at this point, I'm just like, you know what? This is life. Like, I'm just exhausted all the time, but it's fine because I'm still doing what I love. So yeah. it is what it is. Okay, so before we start talking about uh, ham radios, which, by the way, I just found out today it was it was a ham radio, H-A-M, not hem radios. So that's how much I'll be contributing to this episode. But thankfully, Chad is here and uh, we got the expert. But before we start going into all of that stuff, I wanted to take a quick break, talk about Gideon Optics. So uh, two days ago, I was on the range, and with all the snow that we've gotten, it filled up with mud. It was insane. Like, I had like four inches of mud underneath my shoes. I had to take them off before I could even drive my car because the pedals were like caked in some mud. Um, I ended up getting stuck in the mud. Uh, I drive a Range Rover. Don't get excited. It's leased. I don't really, I just wanted something kind of cool. I don't think I'd buy one. But um, anyways, when I was at the range, I was using the new prism optic that they sent me. And that thing is amazing. Like, I didn't know. I was kind of on the fence about it because I'm not really one to use prism optics. Um, It's called the Advocate Prism, or I'm sorry, Advocate Micro Prism Scope. So not really an optic. Uh, It is on sale right now for $230. It is... Uh, you could fit on any Picatinny rail mount, lightweight, uh, rugged aircraft grade aluminum housing, which all of their stuff is. It has like a, just a really nice, you know, durability to it. Um, and then it has that etched reticle. And I don't know. I kind of feel like I kind of just want that instead of uh, like red dots, red and green dots now. Like it's just it did really well. I was I was really impressed with it. And then on top of that, for the price. Like, you really can't beat that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I see. Definitely check it out, uh, GideonOptics.com. Let them know that we sent you. And then also follow them on social media and tell them that we said hi. All right. So um, moving on with the rest of the show, let's do a little bit of show and tell. Today, I'm just going to cut to the chase and show you guys what I got. So it looks like a Sharpie from the outside, but it is not. It's definitely not a Sharpie. In fact, it's a little stabby thing. It's a shank, but it's not a homemade shank. Amend to Mags made it. And this is made from G10 core. I guess it goes all the way. It's not just like the tip, um, but it'll definitely do some damage. And it is pretty like it. It's pretty sharp, but I kind of like this because even like, you know, how I went to Mexico just a few weeks ago. I was looking at things like, okay, what can I still, you know, bring to another country that I could have on the plane with me? Because it's not like, you know, if I was going to another state uh, here in the United States, I could check my gun in. But like I'm going to Mexico and I can't necessarily check my gun in. So I felt like really, I honestly kind of just felt naked. And I'm like, what am I going to use for self-defense? And honestly, like this thing, this is a really good alternative. And they have like all kinds of other devices not a Mentu mag, but just, you know, in general that you can use that I think would do quite a bit of damage, which I think is better than nothing. Have you ever seen one of these? I have actually uh, keep one and carry it quite often. So oh, not nice. from a Mentu, it's from another company, but it's the same concept, G10 core and everything. 
just yeah. a sharp persuasion device. Yeah. And yet easy to conceal because most people looking at it would just think it's a Sharpie. So exactly. yeah, if you guys want to, uh, if you guys want to get yours, uh, I think it was like ten bucks or something, or you can get like a, a larger package for like fifty bucks at amen2mags.com, I believe. So, Chad, what do you got? All right, so you uh, mentioned you want to see some more Cerakote projects. So this was from um, actually a viewer, um, and he's a been a fan of our channel and stuff for a long time. Scott Wilson, he runs a channel called Drop It Like It's Scott. He sent me a canic. A TP9 SFX slide with the um, 45 blast comp on the front of it. So he wanted it done in Arctic white ammo. Nice. That looks so really good. Yeah. So that's Arctic white multicam. So I actually was going to bring him up on this episode because I was just going through my business cards, sending out an email for an event that I'm going to put together. And I found his business card and I'm like, what? This means at one point I met him. I don't remember. I mean, I don't know how long ago it was because, I mean, we're talking about a huge-ass, like, stack of business cards. But I, I just thought that was so funny. And so, Scott, if you're listening, I want to know if you've remembered meeting me or if we're both just getting at that age where we don't remember yesterday um, because I just found it very pecu- peculiar. peculiar. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't even say that word. Um, Very peculiar. And I also... Um, I mean, peculiar, but also kind of interesting as well. <laughs> Clearly, I'm tired. It's okay. Yeah. Um, well, there's also, so there's no would you rather segment today. Nobody asked us any questions. But in the comments section, there was a lot of people that were mentioning, you know, your services. Um, for example, so somebody actually did have a question. They said, this is from Tactical Rabbit. 308. This is for Chad. What do you charge for laser engraving and can you do a M1 Abrams tank on an upper for an AR-10? So I actually saw this comment the other day and I responded to the fella, but I haven't heard anything oh, you did? back. Yeah, I did. Oh. But um, the laser engraving, the, the, the pricing kind of varies just based on the mark, the type of mark. If it's a surface edge, it's a little cheaper. If it's deeper engraving that you can coat over and still see the engraving, which is typically preferable, especially mm-hmm. with like Cerakote and such. Um, those run a little bit higher price because it's more time on the laser and the laser runs on an hourly rate. Um, and then there's design fees that are involved if uh, if I'm not supplied with a laser-ready vector um, where I have to create something and send a draft off. Um, it really just depends on the size of the marking too. There's a lot of factors that kind of come into play uh, with the pricing, but best thing to do is just to reach out, uh, either, you know, call or email me at the shop, um, you know, contact me through the website and, uh, we'll get you, you know, a quote up and try to get the project started on that kind of stuff. So. All right, cool. All right. So now listener comments, Frank for fun 64. He said, well done, Chad. We're all mesmerized by Ava's eyes and wait, well done. We're all mesmerized by Ava's eyes. You are concentrating on the trigger. Great episode. Love watching the panel. I don't know completely what that means, but... So I think what he's up. referring to is that uh, he's complimenting me for noticing that the trigger that we showed off last week was a binary oh, style oh, trigger. Yes. While everybody else was mesmerized by... <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're like, when, 
when are people going to talk about my eyes? Nobody mentions my eyes, but it's all about Ava's eyes. <laughs> That's right. I was actually thinking the other day uh, while I was cleaning my house. I'm like, what an idiot. Like, how did I not even think about you like, oh, yeah, well, there's this extra, you know, part to the trigger. And clearly when you drop it in, it's going to be like, I don't even know what I was thinking. Clearly, I didn't look at the trigger that well. And uh yeah, I'm like, I'm surprised that more people didn't call me out for that because that was a really dumb mistake on my end. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry. I'm here to save you. I know. But yeah, that was funny. Um, And then also I, I laughed because I looked at the episode last week and I literally look like Snooki from like um, uh, Jersey Shore. Like I got this, you said it looks like I have jaundice, but you know, I got this like fake tan look, this orange look. And then my lips, like, I don't know what lipstick I grabbed out of my purse without looking, but it, like, looked white. <laughs> and it was just, it was just, it was not a good combo. And then you're looking like you're just some emo kid in your basement, you know? <laughs> I mean, hey, you know. no color. <laughs> and what can I, what can I say? Yeah. It's um, a shop. Right. It's not a studio. Yeah. It's a shop. So. <laughs> Next comment is uh, Big Malchus. M-A-W-C-U-S. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm trying to get my shadow system pistol seracoded by Chad. I'm like, cool. Everybody likes my eyes, but everybody wants Chad services. <laughs> and Give then this one. A call. Give me a call. <laughs> and then this one mm-hmm. I had to include. Uh, it's from uh, Ready to Defend 1325. Mm-hmm. Ava, you look ridiculous rolling your eyes when talking about revolvers. Just because you don't choose to carry them, you shouldn't discourage others from doing so. I know several women and men who carry 357 revolvers. That is a super oh, that is a superior caliber with tremendous stopping power. Don't confuse personal self-defense with a gunfight against a gang. Whether whether or not you're carrying semi-automatic or a revolver, the odds are stacked against you until you can get to your self-defense rifle. And I I mean, I was like, I don't really feel like I dissed revolvers as much. I definitely said that I feel like they're a little outdated nowadays because, you know, a lot of people use revolvers because they just didn't have the hand strength to, you know, operate a semi-auto. But at the end of the day, I have repeatedly said, whether it was last episode or multiple episodes, that the best gun that you can have is the one that you remember to carry. So if you only have a revolver, if you only have a twenty-two, if you, you know, only have a shotgun, like whatever you have, even if you only have the stupid pen, this is going to be better than not having anything at all. So, you know, sorry if I offended anyone who owns revolvers. I definitely think that they have a place. I own a few revolvers. It's not like I only own semi-automatics. If a student comes into my class and they have a revolver, I'm absolutely going to teach them how to use it. But I do think that there is other alternatives. You know, if somebody asks me what's my opinion, I'm not going to jump to, okay, a revolver is going to be the first choice, if that makes sense. So, um, all right. And then um, before we get into other topics, I want to talk about electronic transfer. I don't know if there's a lot of political stuff going on in Georgia right now, but there is in Colorado. And recently they tried to pass, well, it's it's still in the works, but they are trying to pass where credit card companies have to uh, label any sort of, you know, gun purchase or ammo purchase or anything like that. Anything gun related, they have to mark it a certain way so that, you know, it, it's um, it's able to show like that you purchase, you know, a firearm product, which is like totally I mean, talk about like invasion of privacy 
But I will say, like, if they're not coming after your guns, you know, knocking on your doors and taking your guns, they are coming at you from all different directions and they're getting very creative. If you guys own a gun store or anything gun related, or maybe you don't, maybe you own a hair salon, you know, you you sell, I don't know, stuff off Etsy, whatever, definitely be choosy as to who you're giving your money to and who you're supporting. Electronic transfer has your back. They're not going to do anything crazy like drop you, you know, without any notification. Uh, they're absolutely here to support the firearms industry, and I highly recommend them. So check them out, electronictransfer.com, and uh, just let them know that we sent you. They're really good people, but I feel pretty confident that they could either match or beat whatever you're paying now, and you can feel you know, you could be rested or rest assured that they're not going to do anything sketchy like a lot of these other merchants are. I can vouch for electronic transfer because I use them in my shop for my e-commerce and merchant processing. So I put my yeah. money literally where my mouth is. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's talk about the main topic. So ham radios. So we've we've kind of touched upon this a little bit. You said that you have a ham radio in your bug out bag and um, in your house. And I just figured it would be a really good topic to cover, especially, I mean, just look at just a few days ago, like cell, cell phone services were out for like, what, four hours or something yep. for a lot of people. And I'm like, that's just four hours. But I think that that was a pretty big eye opener where people are like, um, what if this happens like later on down the road and it's actually out for longer than four hours. Maybe it's a few days, maybe it's a month. Like, how are we supposed to communicate with each other? And even in my my podcast that I recorded this morning uh, with my guest, he was like, yeah, people half the time don't even know how to read, you know, like which way's west, okay, where the sun is, like that's the time of day. And I mean, it is what it is, but I do think that we need to figure out another alternative to communicate if anything happens, because I don't think it's a matter of if, I think it's a matter of when, unfortunately. Well, it couldn't have been more um, more perfect timing for the cell towers and everything to kind of go dead for a little while when we were yeah. just about to talk about ham and emergency comms. Um, it, it definitely probably was an eye-opener for a lot of folks when they were unable to communicate with family, friends, figure out what was going on get any information you know from the network to figure out like why there was an outage um you know folks live in this fast-paced world where everything is at, available at a moment's notice and mm -hmm. when that access is cut off you know it it's like immediate withdrawals and people just start freaking out you know yeah. and panic and then all kinds of things happen yeah when that happens but or can come from when that happens but um, you know, ham radio has been around for a very long time. And Ava, you did a little studying, right? Well, so it's I told you to, I told you to do a little studying. Well, okay. Huh. So I asked mm -hmm. AI like some questions on, uh, ham radios and then I, I copied and pasted it and I put it in an email and I shared it with you and you were like, yeah, don't turn this in. If it's, if it's an actual paper, like if you're trying to, cause you, they, you're going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> I read through it. I'm like, she asked AI. Hey, look, hey, look, and I will say that AI gave you some pretty good information. It really did. Yeah, but um, I will say what I've noticed, and I think I just saw um, a story on this as of recently, but it was saying how AI a lot of times is like really like woke and anti-gun, and I've kind of noticed that with a lot of the answers they give me. Sometimes I'm just like I'm bored, and I paid for the stupid app. 
long story short, why I haven't paid for it. Let's not get into that. But, um, but I'm like, well, I paid for the year, so I might as well use it. And uh, I've noticed that some of the answers, I'm like, what? But yeah, I think, you know what? Why don't we start with like some of the history of like ham radio? Because I know even my in my dad's museum, he has like a really uh, extensive collection of like all the radios that have been used in ways that people were able to communicate with each other, especially in the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ham radio originated, uh, you know, prior to 1900, I think around 1890, a gentleman by the name of Marconi uh, was experimenting with it and discovered that you could transmit signals over radio and, you know, mm-hmm. figured out that radio waves existed. Uh, so that was kind of the beginning of that. And, you know, before that, you know, you had literally like um, communications via mail, horse and buggy, postman, right, on horseback, communicating messages back and forth. And you had the telegraph. Uh, Morse code was used to transmit uh, messages electronically over wire. And then when radio came into play, you could transmit messages over great distances or by um, having uh, other radio operators relay your messages. So a radio is a primary communication method these days for many things that people don't even realize. I mean, um, you know, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, you know, your television signals come in via radio frequencies. Um, you know, the FM and AM radio stations that you listen to, obviously those are large towers that are transmitting radio waves, uh, that propagate over, um, a given area. Um, but if you guys are familiar with like, uh, firearms and such, you might know the name Hiram Percy Maxim. So, yeah, I actually do. Yeah. So Hiram Percy Maxim did a number of things uh, for the firearms world, but he also, uh, created the. American Radio Relay League, which was uh, originally a group of people across the country that would relay messages. And that was like kind of the club, like you'd start a message over on the East Coast and it would get relayed to its recipient on the West Coast or in the North Northwest or wherever, you know, it might need to go. So that kind of uh, started that up or Hiram sorted that up. And uh, today it's a uh, it's an organization that's quite large. It's it's got a large membership in the radio community, but they they do a lot to um, help promote radio to younger generations and provide uh, resources for learning radio, uh, helping clubs out get started and um, and set up testing protocols and things like that for folks. Um, they they put out these publications. I'll show you real quick. I'm trying to be quiet on this table that I'm working. on. It doesn't help to when like your table moves with every little, you know, movement. <laughs> it's a shop. So uh, ARRL, they put out these publications and this is just the technician's manual. But this is a um, this is a full manual that tells you everything you need to know to pass your technician's exam and get your uh, level like I guess this is still level two license, level one or level two license to start operating on the hand radio bands. Um, and it has an answer key and stuff in the back, but they put out these publications. Like I said, they do a lot for the radio world and they, um, also go to Capitol Hill and they lobby, uh, for pro radio causes and, you know, additional bandwidth, things like that. Uh, so the ARL is a great organization that her, a Hiram Percy Maxim started back in the hmm. early uh, 20th century. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, all right, so should we talk about 
like so because I don't have I don't have a, a ham radio and like I, I've said in previous episodes my uncles do and I just remember growing up with that and always like going over their house and hearing their like I probably still even remember like their little is it like a call tag kind of you know like uh, their sign. yeah okay, sign. so yeah yeah mine is KX4UR uh kilo x-ray for oh, uniform now Romeo now you're gonna get all the pranks yeah Folks can look me up on QRZ. It's, it's public knowledge. So um, you're only going to see my P.O. box, though. No worries. But um, just real quick on the manuals, like as far as any of y'all who are interested in learning more about ham radio and maybe getting into uh, studying up and getting your license, um, the process is pretty simple. If you've got any sort of technical background, and this this is just a benefit, but if you've got any kind of technical background, you know a little bit about electronics. Uh, me, for example, when I was, when I was younger, this was like 20, 20, 25 years ago, I used to build my own guitar effects pedals, like from scratch. So mm-hmm. I, Eric and I play guitar for a long time. I play guitar and bass, but, um, I would take, uh, um, PCB board, you know, for circuit boards. And I would like rent out the, the actual, uh, circuit board itself on this press and peel blue. Uh, glue it to the board or iron it on the board, etch it, drill it out, add all the components, wire everything up. Like, really, really nerdy stuff, okay? But I've got a background with electronics and components and, um, you know, things like that. So I already kind of had a bit of a prerequisite going into this. And it was really well, easy. I mean, what about me? Because like, I know how to use, like, an iPhone. Well, when I did this... <laughs> there were a lot of resources out there available, but when I was learning like electronics for all this, um, for all this pedal building, I mean, there wasn't quite as much out there as there is now. Like YouTube wasn't really a thing back then, mm-hmm. but, um, it's really easy to learn this stuff now. Like you could learn schematics and components with flashcards because you got to know what a capacitor is, resistor, um, you know, voltage, amperage, that sort of thing. Very simple concepts. Um, like I said, if you got a technical mind at all, this will be really easy for you. If you don't, you can learn it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but there's some awesome online resources like uh, hamtestonline.com, hamstudy.org, hamexam.org, and qrz.com. Um, they have practice tests that are available, and they're the exact same tests that you would see in a, a testing session with a radio club to get your licensing. Um, they usually have a large question pool and if I'm not mistaken, the tech in general, the first two levels, they're 35 question test, the extra, the higher level test is 50 questions and the question pools are hundreds of questions. So they'll pull out of that, but they'll have a variety of different tests. And each time you go to test, it'll be a different series of questions. So it's not like, it's not going to be the same thing. You, you know, you fail once and then you go back and it's the same test. But mm-hmm. the question pool's there. All the answers are there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're good at flashcards and, like, cramming, you could yeah. you could get it done. Um, well, but- so let me ask you something. So why – so in, in order to have a ham radio – or not to have one, but I guess to be on the network, you have to have a license for that, correct? Yeah, so the FCC regulates hams uh, oh. by a licensing process. So you have to get licensed, and that just says that you have studied the material, you know how to operate on the 
different bands, you know how to operate the radios, you know how they, they work, you know the laws and regulations pertaining to using radios on the airwaves. Uh, you've been assigned a call sign so you can identify yourself on the radio. Um, that is, it's basically just revolves around that. So not everybody and their brother is just getting on there and clogging up the bandwidth, you know, with yeah. just useless jargon. They want folks licensed because, um, if you, if you study and you get licensed, that means you're determined to learn the material and, and, you know, excel at this hobby and turn it into uh, a skill set, if you will, and use it. Yeah. So. And then uh, for people, so once you take this test, you said that there's like other licenses that they can yeah. obtain. Yeah. So there's three different levels. Um, and used to, there was a Morse code requirement mm-hmm. uh, up until, gosh, uh, early 2000s at some point, I think. They removed the Morse code requirement. Maybe even earlier than that, I can't recall. But used to, you had to have like a proficiency of like five words per minute for technician and uh, I think upwards of maybe 13 words per minute for general and extra. So those, that, that's that been removed. So that, that makes it easy. But uh, technician's the entry level. General is your next level up. Uh, you get into some more advanced features. Uh, you get into some different radio frequencies that you can uh, operate on, uh, some very limited high frequency use, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then extra is the top level um, license, and that gives you access to all the hand bands, all the different modes, so you can operate on all that. You can shorten your call sign up, um, and it's the most advanced uh, learning, um, or if you will, because... There's a lot of things that go into communicating across vast distances with these high-frequency radios. Some of the towers uh, that folks have at their houses, they'll have, you know, 40, 50, 60-foot radio towers behind their house, and they'll be contesting and trying to make uh, contacts halfway across the world. I mean, I'm talking like two, three, four thousand miles away. So mm-hmm. it's quite possible with radio to communicate like that on those kind of distances. Um, but you know, people ask maybe why you would want to get certified as a ham, you know, licensed as a ham. Well, a number of reasons. Uh, the radios that you can get at Walmart, right, they're they're going to give you very limited use and, you know, they're kind of controlled. They have a number of channels that are available on it. Um, you know, you don't have a call sign. They're just meant for, you know, just normal general use. Uh, you've got a couple other things that require a license but no training or anything like that, no testing. Um, but being able to operate on the handbands gives you the ability to communicate with other like-minded individuals, get in like a radio club, uh, develop, uh, emergency communication skills. And, uh, you know, just like when the cell towers went down, cell towers go down. How are you going to communicate? How are you going to get information? Well, if you don't know, you don't know, but if you've gone through and express an interest in ham and studied up on it and license, get licensed and everything, then you've got a good understanding of how to communicate during those situations. And you've got all the equipment available to you and you've got the knowledge to be able to use that equipment and get the information you need to, you know, in some cases, protect yourself and your family. Right. So that's why you get ham certified. So, um, just, in order to purchase a lot of this equipment, do you need a license to do so? And then no. let's say you are operating this equipment, you don't have a license, what happens? Well, if you've got, 
anybody can buy like a Baofeng radio off of Amazon. And uh, if you're operating without uh, a license and you don't have a call sign or you're using like a false call sign, someone's going to find out pretty quick because hams are smart people. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a thing called like a fox hunt. So they'll use radio transceivers and they will triangulate your dev- uh, your location and then they'll just contact the FCC and be like, hey, we found the uh, the illegal ham station operating out of, you know, Buena Vista, California or wherever. And they'll report to the FCC and, and you know, they'll come pay you a visit, find you, whatever. It's, I mean, they're not going to take you and put you in a paddy wagon and take you to jail or anything like that. But it's definitely frowned upon to operate on the bands without, um, you know, proper call sign and proper licensing and such. And like I said, you will be found out very quickly. So with that said, not to change the subject or anything, but let's say it's us against the government. So if the government is able to do, what did you say? It was a fox what? Well, um, that would be local hams would probably, you know, track you down. They would okay, they would get so, together and triangulate your location. Okay. So, so it's, but the FCC so it's would, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so, so I'm just like wondering if it would be beneficial if like it was us against them, you know, and let's say we were trying to talk amongst each other and hide from, you know, the G word. Yeah, uh, there's there's ways to uh, encrypt over ham radio. It's frowned upon as well, but uh, it's it's out there. Hmm, okay. So we can do the same thing that, you know, Big Gov, big gov can in yeah. a lot of ways and sometimes excel because most of what the government has accomplished over the many years that they've been ruling over this country, right, uh, mm-hmm. have come from the private sector and very intelligent individuals that the government has purchased ideas and patents and products from, right? So pretty much any good idea the government have, it originated in the private sector before they yeah. had it. So gotcha. in a lot of cases. All right. Well, um, before we go on to the second topic, uh, I want to take a quick break. Talk about Rossi. So Rossi just sent me a few guns. Among them was the lever action. It is the R95. It's a 30-30 Winchester. Um, nice little, oops, oh man, that's going to leave a mark on my wall. Uh, nice little rubber pad back here, which my shoulder already appreciates. Uh, pick pick rail up here so you can put an optic. I did notice that it is threaded. I think it is, what is it? It's 5 eighths by 24. Um, and then has some paracord on this, on the actual lever. But yeah, I'm pretty excited for this. So I wide like- loop, 1895 style, 3030, modernized. Okay. Blacked out, tactical. Yes. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is my first lever gun. Okay. Which, well, it's in a good it's in a good cartridge. Thirty thirty has probably killed more white tailed deer than I think anything else in the history of man. Okay, so you want to hear something dumb? I don't even know. I'm gonna have to contact Federal and see if they have thirty thirty, which I'd imagine they do. But I'm like, I don't even have thirty thirty. So I'm gonna be like, hey, Federal, hey, it's me again. Okay, so got this new gun, but I also had a few other guns. Um, Another gun I'll show you guys next week. It's chambered in 410 and 45 Colt. Don't have that either. And um, so I'm, I'm like, okay, kind of, you know, expanding my uh, 
Nope, I think Peaches was just on my camera. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of expanding my uh, my ammo horizon. But yeah, I'm excited to shoot this. I just, I don't know. So then maybe what I'll do is I'll send it to you and you could Cerakote it. And But I mean, I do like the, the black though. I really like, like it sounds kind of dumb because it's a lever action, but like I'm loving how they're making these like tactical lever actions. Like it just looks cool and it just seems fun. Yeah, that's kind of the way the market's going these days. Now, I could take it and I could put the Gen 2, um, you know, IR coating on there. You can operate under nods and uh, mm. reduce the reflectivity of your tactical lever action. Yeah, that would actually be hilarious. Yeah, that would be fun. So anyways, if you guys want to check it out or any other products that Rossi makes, head on over to RossiUSA.com. All right, what next, Chad? All right, so like, kind of gave a, a brief synopsis of the history of ham radio, which use, uh, why you'd want to have it, how to test, uh, how to study, right? Mm-hmm. Um, best way, uh, one thing I forgot to mention: the best way to get interested in ham radio, or if you're interested in ham radio, the best way to get information is to find a local radio club and just contact them and say, "Hey, I'm interested in ham radio. What do I do to get started?" And they'll just invite you to a meeting and. Yeah, they've got great people there in most of these organizations, and they'll walk you through everything, give you all the information you need if you can't find it online. So, um, so I wonder if there's like Facebook groups or something. I'm going to search for oh, that. Absolutely. No, oh, yeah, there's probably yeah. tons of Facebook groups. Um, so yeah, this is this actually. You know what? This might be a freaking awesome way to meet a boyfriend. For being honest, yeah, Ham well, Radio 189,000 members. Yeah. That's a pretty big uh, pond efficient. <laughs> so, oh my gosh um so you know a lot of people got interested in ham radio after 2020 and you know covid and everything and yeah. all that nonsense people got into the emergency preparedness pretty heavy and uh there was a lot of folks uh that kind of came into the ham radio fold at that time i think between like 2020 and 2022 um there were more licenses issued than in that same time period ever before um, yeah so I'm talking about some of the different types of radios. Uh, I briefly mentioned FRS radios earlier. Those are what are called family radio service. So they operate on the family radio service band. And that's a predetermined set of channels that are usually pre-programmed in the radios. And within each channel, you've got uh, like privacy codes that are available. So if you're curious about being able to like encrypt your conversations you can kind of do that, but anybody can just go through a channel and just go through the privacy codes. And if anybody's talking on it, you know, they can monitor it and they can hear your conversation. So best not to have private conversation, private conversations over radio. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay. No, naughty. No, naughty yeah. stuff. I'm like, um, in case I do meet, you know, a hot, handsome ham radio guy. Yeah. No, none of that talks. Yeah. So okay. these are, these are the radios that are commonly available in like a two pack. You know, they come in like those carded packages at Walmart, Amazon, wherever. And folks will use them like camping or hiking. Um, you know, we've used them at the range before, you know, from the shooter's position down to the end of the range. I mean, sometimes six, seven, eight hundred yards away or more. They usually have a range uh, line of sight of up to a mile. Uh, they operate at five watts, so relatively low wattage, so low transmission rate. Uh, you know, if you got a lot of obstacles in the way, like buildings, other structures, um, trees, yeah, wood, whatever the case is, you're going to reduce that range exponentially. 
Um, so those are just El Cheapo radios. A lot of times you can get them for like 15, 20 bucks and you know, the kids love them and they're, they're practical to have laying around. Now, GMRS radio, that's general mobile radio service. So this is a little bit more advanced, uh, radio and this requires a license, but no testing. So you, you just go online, GMRS, whatever, pipe it in get your license is like 70 or 75 bucks i think maybe still for five years you get issued a call sign and then you can operate on that network they have specific gmrs radios that are tuned into their frequencies they operate on a different band uh different bandwidth and uh th- these are all um uhf and vhf radios so ultra high frequency very high frequency uh these are the um frequencies that give you best quality but shorter range you know for voice communication um so the GMRS network, they have repeater towers kind of scattered all around. And we'll talk more about repeaters in a bit, but basically it's like a powered radio station, okay? They'll have uh, usually electricity running directly into it, you know, and they'll um, have a tall tower, battery backups, whole nine yards, and they will pull in your GMRS radio signal that you're transmitting, and it will bounce it to the recipient, whoever you're trying to contact, and it gives you more range. Right. So the repeater towers just pull in your signal, amplify it, send it along the way, and it gives you, you know, upwards of, uh, I want to say maybe like 30 miles, you know, with mm-hmm. GMRS. And there's usually towers scattered all over the country. So it's really popular with uh, overlanders, you know, people who go out and camp all the time or they go and uh, they might hike or backpack or bike in kind of remote areas. Usually you can. Um, get line of sight to a repeater tower and you can communicate when there's no cell service. Um, you know what's uh, weird is, sorry, uh, I am actually, so I remember my uncle, they had, he, one of my uncles, he had a repeater tower up in the mountains and that he would always like go on, like go and, and check on here and yeah. there. So I'm wondering yeah. if that was, but I'm assuming he probably got paid for that. Like to uh, just have a repeater. A lot of, t- well, a lot of times, um, Folks will get grants from uh, radio groups or even from the ARRL to help uh, finance and set up repeater towers. So okay. it's not uncommon for that to be a thing. It was probably a ham repeater, just a VHF repeater tower um, mm-hmm. that he managed. So, um, yeah, maritime radio. So the ships, boats, and things out there, they have to communicate with each other, right? Communicate back to the shore. So they use maritime radio. Uh, these are you know, slightly higher power VHF radios, and they usually have really tall antennas that can go way over the horizon and see out on the water. You don't have any obstacles to get in the way, so the signal can propagate. As long as that antenna's tall enough to get over that horizon, it'll go for a long, long way. Um, other ships can communicate with each other and whatnot, but maritime radio has its own frequency allocation and channels that are assigned to it. Those are also available out there, and it's recommended anybody with a boat has a maritime radio for emergency comms, safety, you know, the whole nine yards. It might even be a, a requirement, especially if you're on a deep sea boat, uh, like, you know, going 20, 30, 40 miles out. Um, I'm sure you've heard of CB radio before, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah. CB is Citizens Band. So that was the popular radio um, type that was used, um, you know, by truckers and still is today. Uh, a lot of hobbyists would have it in their trucks and all back in the day, you'd see the big old antennas oh, yeah. rolled over, right? Yeah. Those are CB radios. So you can just hop on there and just chat, chat, uh, chat with folks. Um, 
that's a, a shortwave radio. So you're getting into a slightly like higher frequency at that point, but it's low power. So limited range, you know, on the road and everything, you can get out there a pretty good bit. But um, now, like, there's there's uh, scanners, like police scanners. Have you ever used those uh, before? I've heard, yeah. Like when I know that people have like listened in on the scanners and stuff to see like what's going on if they see, you know. Yeah, so uh, scanners are a good way to just receive information. They're only a receiver. They're not a transmitter, okay? So you can um, buy police scanners that are tuned into the special networks that they operate on. Um, I won't get into super, you know, in detail, but they usually operate on what's called trunked networks. So these are encrypted networks uh, only available to, like, LE military, emergency personnel, uh, hospitals sometimes use trunk networks as well. Uh, it's just an encrypted uh, encryption protocol. But you can get these scanners that will uh, decrypt those um, trunked signals, and then you can listen in on the audio conversations. And like I said, see what's going on. It's, it's a good way, like if there's a wreck on the interstate or something and you're traveling, you might get word of it before it shows up on Waze. Or if you're just... Uh, out and about with your kids and there's some crazy thing going on, you know, you'll hear it first over the police scanner uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Um, there's also like uh, shortwave receivers um, that you can listen in on uh, the hand bands as well. And that's a good way to collect information because there's always going to be hands on online uh, discussing whatever's going on. You might just run into some routine conversations, just a, just a normal, um, just normal CQ is what they call them. Um, or you might run into uh, emergency broadcast uh, from some radio club or whatever the case might be. So scanners are a good thing to have, and it doesn't require a license or anything like that. You can just grab them and go, read the manual, set them up, and you've got handhelds you know, that I you can take like, along with you. I feel like that would be good, though, too, to have. Um, so let's take example, you know, what just happened. So there's no cell service for like four hours, and let's say like a lot of communication goes down everyone's going to be thinking the worst, like what's going to happen? What's, you know, and so would these scanners work in that time? If there was yes. something like a, a nationwide emergency or even a statewide emergency, yes. I'd imagine so, that, that would be useful. Yeah. The only way that, the only way that radio communications will be all like extremely disrupted is if number one, like all of the repeater towers and the main like propagation towers are, you know, destroyed or you know drained of power drained of backup source you know like either batteries or generators they mm-hmm. went dry um or there's some crazy like emp or solar flare that fries every electronic out there but you're still going to have little pockets of radio communication through and throughout even if cells go down all across the country um there'll still be pockets of radio don't you worry about that but um so scanners and, then, and as you're going through some of this stuff i mean you said scanners you don't need a uh license for no. but i'm assuming you know like as you're going through some of this stuff you're going to need like more licensing for or like the larger yeah. yeah so what i'm starting with is kind of like the bottom of the barrel where you don't yeah. need licensing and kind of getting up into what you do need a license for okay. um so uh have you ever had a weather radio in your house before uh, I mean, just like I've had an yeah. AM radio in my house before. 
like a um and occasionally it touches upon the weather <laughs> okay well so uh, there's special radios that are available um either handhelds or like wall mounted types or even just you know a, a battery operated emergency radio that folks would keep in their house uh-huh. um, and you can power it on you know pull the antenna out and it's pre-tuned to um the weather um uh, towers that are managed by NOAA, N-O-A-A, right? So they have towers scattered all over the country, several in each state that propagate weather information on the regular, right? You get forecasts, um, current conditions, emergency warnings, you know, flash floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, I mean, whatever. Mm -hmm. All that is propagated by radio uh, on these towers and most everybody is going to be able to access at least one of these towers. Uh, most of the time, multiple towers will be in range, and you'll have one that will uh, give you a little bit better signal all right, on the receive end. But that's a good passive way to get information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you don't know what's going on. Like if power's down and stuff, your cell's dead, and there's bad weather around, well, you need to know if there's a warning somewhere, right? So yeah. you can just tune into your weather radio. And a lot of these radios I've mentioned so far, uh, some of them will have multiple features. So some will have like a weather function as well. So they'll be able to tune into those uh, weather stations um, pretty easily. So all this stuff, like I mentioned, you don't have to have a license for. Um, now, getting into like the normal handbands like the VHF and UHF radios, uh, we're getting into the point where you have to have a license to be able to operate on the handbands. So like this Baofeng, I believe I showed that off um, in the bug out bag video. So this is like a normal VHF, UHF handheld. So these are Chinese radios. Um, and the neat thing about them is they can come in to the country and they can have access to everything, right? They come in, they have access to all the bands out there, even bands that you're not supposed to be on, right? You're, you're saying the Chinese? Yeah, the Chinese okay. radios. So these aren't, like, regulated the same way that uh, U.S.-produced radios are. Uh, U.S.-produced radios are locked out of certain frequency ranges. These aren't. So you can program these to, like, you could transmit on those bands if you wanted to, but I've got a lot of things programmed in here where I just receive on just to monitor. Um, but these will do FRS, GMRS, hand bands. Uh, you can listen in on uh, non-trunked emergency networks. Uh, it's got a weather function. And then I can also do AM or FM radio on this as well, hmm. right, on this one thing. And because, I mean, because it's a Chinese radio, where do you get something like that? Amazon. No, I'm kidding. Amazon. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. And look, you can get two packs of these things. These are like, program them, put them in a box, yeah. use them. If they break, throw it away and pull out the backup or the backup yeah. or the backup or the backup. They're so cheap. You can get two packs of these things for 20 bucks most of the time. People hate on them, but they're great. They're yeah. great options, especially for people on a budget and who want to just get into radio. Great thing. Um, so, handy talkies. These are like your common things for just running around uh, local communications. Uh, you can access repeater towers with these, with the hand bands. So, you can talk to people a little bit further away, like across your county, right? I've talked uh, through the local repeater that is operated by our local radio club down in Jackson, Georgia. Uh, talk to folks down there, um, you know, 15, 20, 30 miles away. 
uh, with a handy talkie with five watts of power using the repeater tower that I can get into and relay messages back and forth. Okay. So local communications, very local, local stuff. Um, so now I'm going to get into, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this. All right. This is also another handy talkie. All right. This is, um, this is a digital radio. Okay. So with the digital modes, there's several out there. I won't get into every um, all them DMR, D-Star, Fusion. So you can tie into a repeater tower that has digital capability and it uses the internet and you can communicate even further with that. Okay, now this is just like a different mode, a different part of the hobby, but it's just showing like kind of the modern capabilities of old school and radio technology. All right, getting into the modern age using the internet to propagate signals even further. Uh, but all those digital modes, you know, do is just give you more capability. And um, there's many more like, you know, channels that are available that way uh, than just, you know, your normal analog channels. Uh, a few other odds and ends. Uh, you can also use something like this open spot. Okay, this is a little, uh, it's basically like a little hotspot um, that you plug into your computer. You use one watt of power, and then I can talk to folks multiple states away uh, with my handy talkie with OpenSpot, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, also, with the digital radios, you usually have uh, GPS right there on the radio. All right, the global positioning system. You can, you know, pinpoint your location within a few meters with these things. Um, they're expensive radios, but they're expensive for a reason. They have a lot of functionality. Um, they also have a feature, uh, it's called APRS, Automatic Packet Reporting System. Um, and what that is, is it's a way of transmitting data across the radio network, right? So you can send like text messages, very short text messages. Uh, you can uh, be on the network and uh, somebody else will be on there as well and they'll ping you like automatically and it'll tell you what frequency they're operating on you continue that frequency and have a cq with them uh, when i say cq i mean conversation like your meeting in new ham um aprs uh also there's a ton of like private weather stations that folks can have in their backyards and they will be tied into the aprs network and you can hop on there and you can pull in weather data like that too right mm -hmm. and all this is without the internet now, APRS does have some functionality with the internet that increases its capabilities, but ultimately, like, it's a way of sending small packets of data across the radio network. Hmm. You know, in analog fashion, no internet, no nothing, no cell, no nothing. Radio. Very wow. cool stuff. It's pretty crazy. And when you said that it's uh, it's a little bit more expensive, what are yeah, we this, talking about? Like, it's, like a five, it's like a $500 radio. Oh, wow. Okay. So, but it... It does a lot. I mean, it's got a ton of capability. And uh, it's a little bit difficult to program, a little bit difficult to learn to operate. But once you do and you figure out all its bells and whistles, like, these are great. And there's there's different ones. This is a Kenwood. There's uh, Yesu, Motorola's. I mean, all the big brands have radios like this that operate on the different digital modes. I just chose to operate on D-Star. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the local hams operate on that digital mode. So that's why I chose to get into this. Um mm -hmm. Now, with um, like APRS, you have um, there's a there's a website. It's called SMS Gate. Okay, 
Now, you can get on there and create an account, and there are some tutorials and some other things where you can learn how to send text messages over SMS gate to phones. Right? So I can originate a message on my radio using the little QWERTY keyboard. Okay? Some of you, I'm sure my age, Ava, you remember QWERTY, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm glad somebody does because these kids these days aren't. What? They're like, wait, that's how you had to send text messages? <laughs> yeah. You had to hit one button for one letter three times? What? Yeah, I um, know. But anyways, you can type out a real short message on here, and I can um, I can program um, recipients in with their phone numbers, and as long as the uh, you know the SMS network, like the uh, the messaging network on the cell towers, is active, I can be in an area without any cell coverage at all. But I can have my radio and be in range of a repeater tower that has APRS capability, and I can send a message through the repeater tower, through the APRS network, to your phone. Wow. Okay? And you will receive it, and it'll say, like, KX where you are, dash five, and then whatever the message is. Mm -hmm. You can respond to my message, and it'll go back through the cell network, through the SMS network, to the tower, back to me on my radio, and I will receive your message. And see that it was it was read. How cool is that? But then, I mean, that's pretty impressive. But then you can't necessarily respond because you didn't set it up. It's only messages that you that are like automated. So if you were like, let's say you get lost in the middle of the woods or something, and they respond like, "Where are you?" Well, I can't. Really I, tell I can you send. Um, no, I, I've got GPS on this thing. I can tell you exactly uh, where I am. So you could, like drop a pin, essentially. Yeah. Well, I can't drop a pin, but I can give you coordinates. I yeah. can literally send coordinates back through the SMS gate to you. Wow. On my end, it's completely analog and over radio. On your yeah. end, you're pulling it in through the cell network. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it does require the cell network to work, but it's a cool feature for folks that are away from civilization and not yeah. uh, in range of a cell tower to have any cell service whatsoever to be able to send, you know, your your wife, your boyfriend, whatever, a message just saying, hey, I got to the campsite, or hey, I got to the hunting camp. Hey, yeah. you know, I made it to, you know, uh, Plateau Rock or whatever where I'm camping for the night. I'll call you or I'll text you in the morning over the radio, whatever. But you have to have a ham license to be able to take advantage of these kind of capabilities with these radios. I'm telling you, there's so much neat stuff you could do. I'm just scratching the surface here. Yeah. And so, I'm assuming that all of this is available in the owner's manual so that you uh, can. I'll- a lot of it is, yeah. So the the different manuals will talk about all these different um, um, modes of communication, APRS, digital modes. Um, SMS gate is something that's may, may be covered in the newer manuals. I don't know because mm-hmm. I got certified or I got licensed in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on that. But yeah. a lot of what I'm talking about is in these books. <laughs> so, all right. Now, you said your uncle was a radio guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said he had a bunch of old, like, you know, military radios, that sort of thing? Oh, like all kinds of stuff. Okay. Because I'm just so, like, okay, does that mean that I have to have that in my house? Because I don't like clutter. But I obviously want to set myself up for, you know, survival. But I don't want, like, all this, you know, I don't want... It's bad enough, like, when you invite a guy to your house and then they see all the guns and now they're going to see all the radio stuff, too. And they're going to be like, dude, this girl is 
a little extra. And then they're going to want to put a ring on my finger, of course. But, you know, I need something that I could work a little bit hard for. Hey, I mean, look, you got to be a jack of all trades and master of none. But, like, if you get one radio, you'll get two, and then you'll get three. And yeah, I know. Before you know it's it. It's kind of like guns, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's a, it's one of those kind of things. Like, yeah, you get into it, and then you can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so those are all VHF, UHF, you know, low-power, uh, local communications kind of thing. Um, with those radios, you also have, like, mobile rigs, too. So mm-hmm. I've got a mobile uh, Kenwood rig in my truck that is a 50-watt mobile radio. It operates on VHF and UHF. It has a lot of the same capabilities as my digital radio does, like with APRS and whatnot. Um, but with 50 watts of power in a mobile rig, I can communicate even further. I can reach repeater towers that are farther away from mm-hmm. the truck, uh, and I can communicate on uh, a, a longer or at a longer distance than a handheld this 10 times the amount of power. So the more power you have, the more that signal is going to propagate and get out there. And mobile radios are great. I can be riding around and somebody else with uh, a Kenwood or other radio with APRS capability, it'll ping me and I can pick up my you know, mic. It's like, you know, give them a call and just have a chat while I'm riding down the road. So those are pretty cool. But mobile rigs are, are a great thing too. You got to have one in your car, Ava. So get certified and get you a handheld, get you a mobile rig, you know. All right. So a part of me was like thinking, I'm like, no, this isn't like you're probably not going to talk to that many people. But I mean, after just looking for a Facebook group, I'm like, oh, that's a whole community. I mean, that was just the first one that I stumbled upon. There's other ones. You know, so you're thinking like this is like a a totally, you know, this is a thing in the past, but it it seems like more than ever, it's it's alive and well. Is very much alive and well, and uh, you know the people who are interested in it are getting younger and younger, uh, mm-hmm. which is great to keep the the hobby and the um, you know, yeah the well, actually communications community alive. Once so. once I get involved, I mean I'm definitely bringing down you know that that demographic to an even younger, you know, <laughs> help or reduce the average, right? <laughs> um, all right, so. Those large radios that your uncle probably has, they're probably high-frequency radios. Yeah. Um, so those operate on frequency bands that a lot of times propagate um, using the atmosphere. Right? They kind of bounce off the upper atmosphere at different levels. Mm-hmm. Okay. And these are the kind of radios that you can pump, you know, 100 watts into uh, or more, right? I mean, there's stations out there that are pumping hundreds of watts of power into these radios and uh, or these antennas and they're talking voice communications all right mic to mic with folks thousands thousands of miles away and you know, like there's even some instances where we may have had some solar flares mm-hmm. that are really exciting the upper atmosphere and it's helping those radio signals propagate even further and i mean you're talking about folks making cqs seven eight nine thousand miles away I mean, it's like, it's insane. Like, there's been crazy cases. It's not it's not the norm, but there's been cases like that where it's just luck of the draw. Like, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time, and that signal got, got there somehow. Wow. Um, but, so, those radios, like I said, they're they're larger. They're, they're more like a stationary-type radio. Um, military did use a lot of high-frequency, uh, short-wave-type radios in the past, and, uh, you know, for battlefield communications, and they still do. 
Um, all of those networks are all encrypted in the whole nine yards, and they, they cycle through the encryptions on a regular basis. You know, so the enemy can't listen in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there's a lot of neat capabilities with high-frequency radios that involve um, modern digital components. Okay, So I'll talk about my mobile rig in a little bit, but there's um, uh, an older technology called Echolink. So it's basically like a software, and it allows you to stream audio over the internet via HF radio, and it's just kind of a neat mode that people still operate on for the most part. But uh, there's there's newer things out there that are really cool. But there's a email over radio called WinLink. All right, email so, over radio. Hmm. Email over radio. So you'll pull up WinLink, and it looks just like kind of a you know, an email program. Uh, there's mm-hmm. some some settings that you got to put together, you know, connect your radio and everything, and uh, it, uses a, uh, it uses a modem, okay? So it, trans- it converts, you know, digital to analog, and um, it sends it over radio, just like uh, it's like, a, you know, when a fax machine would um, be receiving a, a fax, right? You hear that, right? Yeah. That's an yeah. analog signal that's being transmitted over the telecommunications line and then it's being decrypted and uh, put back in like a digital format via, uh, via the fax machine and then printed out into an image or a, a letter or whatever the case is. Same concept. Your your email, even small uh, images, can be transmitted over radio to a recipient, okay, to their, their, their WinLink address. So no internet involved. Emails, pictures, communications over email, over radio. Um, FT8. So this is another protocol. It was mainly meant for like contesting and stuff where folks were just trying to make um, CQs, just trying to get acknowledgement that another ham received their signal and then they can log it and basically collect, uh, you know, contacts more or less. And, you know, they'd have contests running where like the most contacts wins and that sort of thing. Um. I use trying a, to, uh, trying to get that Guinness Book of World Record, you know. Yeah, I mean, it it, it can be kind of cutthroat sometimes. So the hams are very yeah. competitive individuals. Um, mm-hmm. so JSA call. This is something I use quite a bit. It operates on the forty meter band, and this is a keyboard to keyboard messaging service uh, over radio. So unlike FT eight, you can actually type out short messages, and it'll transmit it over the radio and then yeah. you'll you'll see you know uh some activity on the the um on the band and you'll receive your signal back and it'll basically like type out your message it'll receive one letter at a time you know wow. or like you know a few letters at a time so Hopefully it's not too, can you imagine it's an emergency and you know it's just like d d like run r u a <laughs> No, it's it's a little slow sometimes, but it really just depends on the uh, the strength of the signal that's coming in. But um, the cool thing about JS8 is that you can operate on it uh, using very low power, so it works really well for um, like uh, portable emergency communications. Um, which you know, I've already talked about some of my my gear, but I have a high frequency portable rig that I can put in a backpack. Um, you know, I, I run a Yaesu FT9. Or FT891 high frequency radio. It's like a multi band radio. Uh, I use a um, 
a SignalLink USB modem, uh, Raspberry Pi, and all that's interconnected together. And I use like an iPad or a small computer to uh, get into the Raspberry Pi and um, and get into the apps that I need and use JSA call. And all this stuff is easily powered by my battery bank. Got like a a little twelve volt, uh, thirty amp hour battery pack that has uh, multiple outputs on it, and I can connect a twelve hundred watt solar panel into it. Right, mm-hmm. so I can have solar power coming in, charging my battery, power my radio, power my devices, talking to folks in the middle of nowhere. And um, some of the things I mentioned, uh, like the SMS gate that's available for the uh, handy talkies and such and mobile radios and over the APRS network. Uh, you have uh, functionality like that with HF as well. So it gives you way more range to get emergency messages out to loved ones, right? Uh, you can send messages back to their phones, back to uh, you know a computer, whatever the case is. It's, it's crazy what you can do. Um, but... Yeah, the portable rig is cool. It took me a long time to set the thing up and get it all together because it was it was a big expense, and I just had to budget it out over time to to get it working. But um, you know, if I travel anywhere, like, and I'm going out to the middle of nowhere, I would usually just grab that backpack and my battery box and take it with me, just in case. Yeah, I mean, you never know when you might need that level of communication. And there, there's smaller setups now that are way more compact uh, that you can fit into even smaller packs, I and mean, you don't have to have what I have. But um, there's tiny radios out there now that you know do everything just about. Um, but I've uh, I followed a lot of YouTubers and other social media types over the years, just learning radio. Like I just want to mention a few of them, like um, Oscar. Uh, let's see, yeah, O H eight S T N. He's over in uh, Finland. I believe, and he runs a, a really popular um, kind of off-grid prepping um, YouTube channel, um, KM4ACK. He does a lot of Raspberry Pi stuff, you know, a lot of digital modes, Winlink, uh, some of those kind of apps, uh, KB9VBR. He does a lot of uh, great beginner-type videos, you know, getting into ham radio, uh, kind of the different license manuals and such, and then there's a guy on Instagram. He's also on YouTube. His name is Tactical Comms. He's just got a lot of information about like practical prepping. Uh, he talks a lot about um, receivers, you know, uh, emergency receivers and um, what to do with information that you might pull in and how to access it. I mean, just, just great resources out there. I mean, there's probably way more, but these are the ones that I've frequented over the years, you know, just kind of yeah. in my journey. But I think I actually follow Tactical Comms on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But that's that's pretty much like a brief, well, not really a brief, but a synopsis of ham yeah. radio in a nutshell. At least talking about some of the different types of radios, the uh, capabilities, you know, some of the different modes, and some of the things that you can do with radio that I'm sure a lot of people didn't know even existed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, radios, radios here to stay. It's going to always be here. And um, I'll say too, real quick. Um, you remember uh, Hurricane? Was it Maria that absolutely devastated Puerto Rico? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. several years ago. So there was, was a number. Was it called Maria, though? I don't remember what it was called. I can't remember. It seemed like it was. But that yeah. whichever hurricane, it just absolutely decimated Puerto Rico and knocked down like their entire communications grid, right? Power was out for, I mean, it seemed like months. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a group of, I think, 40 or 50 ham radio operators from the States that volunteered to go over and they established a 
communications network on the island to get wow. comms back up. And they went over there and operated their own stations. Like, they took their own equipment, set up, and ran comms until, you know, everything got back up and running. So if there was ever, and it happened during Katrina too, um, down in New Orleans and all, um, you know, there were hams that set up, uh, you know, makeshift uh, communications arrays and, you know, kept information flowing, right? So um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, bad weather strikes in an area. There's a mm-hmm. group of individuals that will activate. It's on, they're called the Skywarn, right? So if there's like a, a band of bad weather coming through Georgia and it's got the potential for producing tornadoes and such, uh, these guys will be activated, and they're usually just volunteers that volunteer their time and their equipment and their know-how to go out and monitor these storms and give, like, first-hand reports of maybe, like, a tornado on the ground or uh, strange cloud activity or hail or whatever. They'll report it right back to NOAA, and then NOAA uses that information from the Skywarn network to put out uh, the warnings that you hear come out across the radio and TV and cell. So, wow. that's really impressive too, that they're willing to donate their time like it sounds like a really good community in general it is yep. so, yeah that's cool well I'm definitely now interested um, I wonder if there's any listeners that are you know like me and they're like alright you know what we need to up our game we want to get into you know radios and stuff and um, I think it would be kind of cool like if we all started studying for the test together or we like you know, kind of did this together and like helped each other to an extent, like, all right, this is what we need to do. This is, you know, what are you doing? And like, also kind of like a form of accountability. I think that would be kind of cool. So definitely let me know in the comment section if you guys are interested in this, but I think that you gave a really good like overview of, you know, all the different options. And, and I had no idea, like you said, that you were able to do this stuff. I just literally just thought you were just able to talk to people. I know I didn't no text messages, emails, images, stuff like that. So yeah. definitely. Hopefully it didn't sound like Greek to everybody. Well, I was like really trying hard to like, okay, concentrate, concentrate. But I mean, cause it is, it's, it's something that I think is very foreign to a lot of people, but I, I would almost say like, even if you went back and re-listened to the episode and then I will also keep the show notes up, like everything that you listed so that that'll be helpful just in case you guys missed a few things or you're like, wait, what was that called? Uh, you guys could always refer back to the show notes, which should Perfect. help out a lot as well. Um, all right. Well, I think wrapping up. So we do have a listener of the week. I do appreciate you guys all leaving us reviews on our podcast on iTunes. This week is from Unforgettable 61 and his name is so Taz one one two five. Been watching Pew Pew panel since it's been on IV eight 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 eight. Really enjoyed enjoyed with Eric and Chad. I'm sure will be great. Also, I'm sorry things with Eric didn't work out. Would love to see an episode with both Chad and Eric. Ava, you're an interesting person. I've been watching your channel for a couple of years. I love seeing a variety of subjects. Sometimes it seems like odd subjects, but I do enjoy learning more about you and your host. Sometimes you talk about things in the firearms world I would never be able to have or try, but I love seeing them and learning about them. Keep up with it and we'll see you on your next episode. <laughs> that was 
that was kind of like it was sweet but it was kind of like yeah i really like chad and eric and uh ava we're not really sure what to do about you but um yeah you just keep trying <laughs> oh my gosh um, but yeah that was sweet all right guys well let us know what you want us to talk about or all yours um again write to us pewpewpanel at gmail.com or comment below this uh this episode and all the other episodes are located at Pew Pew Panel on YouTube, as well as my YouTube channel, just Ava Flannel, one N, two L's. And either way, we're we're looking at your comments, regardless of what channel you're using or, or listening to it on. Um, but yeah, let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. And, uh, and then Chad, with all the people that are interested in you doing work for them, let them know the best way that they can get a hold of you. Y'all can just go to argosordnance.com. That's O-R-D-N-A-N-C-E. There's no I in ordinance. Okay, we're talking about guns, not laws. Argosordnance.com. Give me a call at the shop. All my information is available right through uh, you know, Google or right there on the website. But give us a give us a shout. Help you out. Give us a shout. We'll help you out. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See you guys.